We are Wrestling Elitists. I'm your co-host, Chris Scott Moore, joined as always with Sean No Scrubs Nash and Hello. Alex getting jiggy with it Gibson. What up, boys? This is something I'm, I'm, to do today. Nice playlist. <laughs> uh, How's it Jack, going today? Your favorite rap? Hell yeah, yeah. we're listening to um uh what's the the Humpty Hump song today actually but I was oh, watching wow. them this morning yeah kicking it old school hell yeah well now here's this uh, for a segue if you'd like to kick it with us do us a favor and uh <laughs> subscribe rate and comment and share you can follow us at wrestling elitists on twitter and instagram and please bookmark our website at wrestling that's where you'll find all our latest uh match reviews commentary articles and etc much much more so please give us a like again thank you for listening to the show today we appreciate it share with your friends in the wrestling community for anyone that is a newbie sean what's the format for this uh kick-ass show Greg, we're going to talk about some some big news and then go into our match moments cringes of the week along with what we're looking forward to and a couple more questions that sounds like you got for us yeah, and by no means are we trying to be unprofessional and just cram this in 45 minutes, but I have an infant that's uh, going to have a meltdown at any moment, and Alex has a softball game, so we're going to try to make this a brisk show, even though we do Sweet have a hell of a lot to talk about. So let's jump right yeah. into it then, brothers. Let's go right into the news of the week. Uh, my news of the week is the fact that Impact is my news of the week. Uh because it's their yeah. eight four one match that they that they announced. I just thought it was really cool. I think a lot of times, especially Impact in their past, whenever a company tries to invent a new match at this point, it usually is very very gimmicky and super cheesy. I just really enjoyed it. So the basic rules are: it starts as an eight man tag match, um, and then the team that wins that team faces off in a fatal four way, and then the person who wins that match then goes on to I believe Slam Anniversary for a title shot, which I've been preaching since long before this podcast, the idea of a trios tournament where you put a bunch of teams together that don't like each other. It's not like House of Black, or I mean, you could have a team like House of Black, but then you also have a team like where it's Moxley and I don't know, FTR who aren't friends. Uh, And then whoever wins the tournament at the end then has a triple threat match. Uh, FTR was actually a bad example because those two are friends. But either way, you could have some dissension there. Final team then, then ends up having a a triple threat match. And then you could have like a title uh, shot after that. So very similar to my idea. I'm not just praising it because of that, but I thought it was cool. It's cool to see impact coming up with new things that aren't a reverse battle Royal. Absolutely. And I think that's a great way to utilize a large roster as well. Like AEW has to find ways to do something with all the talent that they have. And that would be a great thing to, for them to do. And you're surprised that WWE hasn't done that themselves, especially with like a survivor series one year that could have been like, okay, the winner of it gets to wrestle the next night or whatever the fuck. So it's a great idea. Good for uh, impact for being innovative. Yeah. Good on them. Hopefully they deliver and uh, it all looks good, but it's, it's always impact. My news of the week is uh, CM Punk is official for the first collision. It's uh it hasn't really been a doubt since they announced it. it's going to be in Chicago and uh, hopefully it just really just sh- shuts up the wrestling journalists for all the, the rumors and speculation on it. Will he, won't he? And we can just go along with our day of knowing CM Punk's going to be back and hopefully no more drama for the, the rest of the year. Six months. Sh- shouldn't be that hard. Surely there will be uh, no drama that comes out of uh, CM Punk in the next no. six months. No. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the his best bet is to just be a heel. I mean, it's going to be hard for him to yeah. be a heel in Chicago, and you can't kill the town and do that. But um, he can say a lot of dickish things that first night, and then when they're in, you know, Walla Walla, Washington, Toronto, Regina, Regina. Regina. Yeah. Regina. Oh. Yeah, the, that's the kind of close in, up for uh, Toronto. Names. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah, not too bad. Uh, <laughs> but no, I think like it makes sense to lean into the heel stuff. I mean, you you heard the the crowd. Uh, which was mic'd up for a change, which was nice. Um, but they seem to be pretty, I don't know, 60-40, 70-30 in terms of booze. Like, you heard some booze come through there. Oh, for sure. So, yeah. Yeah. Even the, the camera caught some, it, some thumbs down. Yeah, it did. And I think that I think that if you're at that 70-30 of booze, it gives you so much opportunity to lean into the booze harder. Like, even if it was more cheers than booze now, like you can really just let him go. I feel like if, if it would have been full cheers, it would have been a very odd situation because you know he can't really come back as a as a face right now because of the the way yeah. that the IWC views him. Yeah, and I think too with MJF playing the character who's like I'm gonna leave because I know how much every fan loves AEW. You could have CM Punk do something where like I'm here just because Tony Khan's paying me a shitload of money and I'm going to. F- be a cancer like you can do something with that um or i have his having a sense of entitlement or i'm better than all of you because i got this guaranteed deal or whatever the hell like there's things to do to play off it um i hope it's not all inside work comments because or shoot comments because then uh someone's feelings are going to get hurt and their panties are going to get in a wad and brandon cutler may say something (laughs) (laughs) Let's hope it's not him. Those are the All right, let's move along. So we had a hell of a main event to double or nothing. It was all of our match of the week. Uh, Alex, what stood out to you with Anarchy in the Arena 2? Mox promised us the most violent match that we have seen in AEW. Boy, did they deliver. And it goes back to kind of some of the stuff that I talked about last week about GCW, where like the the thumbtacks on the foot for uh for was that Matt Jackson like yeah. that yep. that's something that like obviously yes that hurts like a motherfucker I'm sure but it also there's not a whole lot of like that made me cringe more than seeing uh Maki Ito use a p- pizza cutter live in person a few weeks ago yeah. like it was so like like the the bang for your buck on that is so good um you know seeing Takeshita at the end yeah. come in it was a little bit of a um, botch. Uh, I felt like on that uh, that knee, it was very awkward. I wish she would have just like leaned in, like redid it or something, or hit him again. But it was just a crazy match. I felt like uh, Chris a little bit there, though. I was getting very frustrated with the uh, camera work. I felt like they were missing a whole lot. But I also understand that of of any match that's okay to miss a lot of stuff, it's that one where there's shit going on everywhere. everywhere. Um, they do a good job on, on like the anarchy in the arenas. I don't, I never want them to be my match of the night because I want it to be a more traditional, um, match that stands out to me, but it was far and above. I honestly, like I saw your article, Chris, I actually would say that it was the only match I really cared about or enjoyed on the card. Sean, what were your thoughts? I agree with that. Um, kind of till the end. They, they didn't have me, and they, they got me with that Anarchy in the Arena match. Uh, that exploding sneaker was was awesome. Love that the, oh, the Bucks have kind of, think of that, <laughs> continued to use that with, like, the in PWG, they used the spiked Air Force One. 
and and they used it in the cage match with uh, the Lucha Brothers in AEW. Just awesome little callbacks and crazy crazy stunts with that, and the the thumbtacks and the the foot just made it hard for me to walk back to my bed after that. But I did nothing. It was it was fun, but uh, another gimmick match and a double or nothing that was full of them. Yeah. Uh, my favorite spot going what to what you guys were talking about and just things that just look painful where it was it's Claudio's spin and <laughs> just getting dropped onto the con in the in the you know concession stand area like oh, there's yeah. no way that yeah. that doesn't hurt a lot and then to get your head bonked into the damn trash can on top of it just seems like you're getting pissed in the mouth on the way down. Uh, that just seemed <laughs> brutal. And I loved how, you know, talk about like missing stuff. That was one thing that they did well is do the split screen at that point. Cause you had Moxley covered in blood doing the old fork into the, the noggin. And then you had that going on at the same time. It was just absolute chaos. Um, like the match, uh, thought it was very wild and crazy. And I, again, in my article on wrestlinglatest.com, I said, I put that over the first stadium stampede match. Which, while crazy, I don't like cinematic wrestling, and I thought this was, um, for what it's worth, the better clusterfuck match they've had of all time. Yeah, yeah. I I was actually just about to say the same thing. Of I enjoy the anarchy in the arenas so much more than I than I do like the stadium stampede. It's just so much nicer that it's in front of everybody rather than it just being, you know, they could have filmed it last night at two in the morning for all we know. Um, right, right. It's just. I, I don't I don't ever need to see another stadium stampede. I wouldn't actually I would not be disappointed, though, if I uh, had a chance to see an anarchy in the arena live. Yeah. And what I liked about the match, too, though, is like they didn't do the thing where um, in the four way did this as well, too. Like there weren't spots where people were just sleeping for extended periods of time. And then all of a sudden they'd come back because Nick Jackson has to shoot someone shoot someone with a gun and then you know claudio has to give someone a melvin or something you know whatever the hell their spots were (laughs) (laughs) like there weren't silly things like that where people were just lying around and then the camera you could show them just kind of waiting to do their thing and i think Mm -hmm. that's one of the downfalls of so many multi-person matches but that's what makes anarchy here in the arena really fun is you can have people literally all over the arena and do something different for a live crowd and you see that crowd live is super super into it like that is something to see and i think that's a good marketing tool for them for a live event in the future of like i want to see that because it's fucking nuts and a lot of it isn't backstage like you do see the majority of the match in the crowd and all around the stadium so uh, i do like how they uh shoot that from a production standpoint as jarring as the cuts are all right let's move into what our moments of the weeks are yeah, mine was originally going to be Sean's, um, but I had to pivot last night, last minute, because the heat that Don Callis was putting out last night Ooh. was phenomenal. And I think part of, the, you know, I think that would have happened in a lot of places, but it's really nice that that was, I, they were in San Diego, right? Yeah. Slam Diego. Uh, I'm, I yeah. think that part of it was because it was their first time there, um, but it felt like, I'm sure it probably sounded in the arena the same way that christian sounded when we were at the lca show a few a yeah, month ago right. so just an absolutely uh great segment great promo credit to him for being able to push through that uh this is a little bit of a spoiler on my anticipation but i am so excited to see what they do with Takesha in this spot and i kind of like the idea of him not joining blackpool combat club i like the idea of he's yes. just he's just uh don Callis's guy 
new tool. Yeah. Well, Callus did say family though. Sorry to cut you off, Sean, but he did say family. So that denotes that there's going to be hopefully more people in the stable. Like maybe that's where you put, um, uh, finally turning jungle boy, like just people who need to be bitter. Like that kind of makes sense. Um, people he could brainwash, like that would be kind of cool. Maybe you put, um, Wardlow after he loses the title probably to Luchasaurus or someone really quickly like maybe that could work I don't know but that could be an interesting stable Um, they do have a lot of stables going on right now though like it is it's a boy my 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 god there's a shitload of them but uh, sometimes if you make them work that's cool but like to think that Bullet Club is in AEW and not a big deal in the forefront of the promotion is kind of nuts even in general, Bullet Club's kind of dead, but yeah. That's true, yeah. Yes. That's fair. But. Every time I hear Bullet Club gold, it makes me think of, uh, do you remember when Jeff Jarrett was selling Global Force Wrestling gold? It was like crypto before crypto. <laughs> it was like <laughs> actual <laughs> tangible crypto. Oh. Well, it's why I can't accept his like renaissance that he has. Like, oh, motherfucker was in a multi-marketing, multi-level marketing Ponzi scheme. Like, there's nothing <laughs> more party than that. Like, trust me, the real guy's coming out. Oh. The Karen Jarrett involvement was a little bit of the peak of it. Like, there's gonna oh, be that more shit that comes out. That's like, if he stays as an active <laughs> member of the roster, what a segue. That was, that was my moment of the week. Thank Karen you. Jarrett just. Full face turn, smash a guitar right on Ref Aubrey's face. Right after Sanjay <laughs> Dutt just gave her the finger, told her to sit the fuck back. Great hit. What a what a legend. That was what every wrestling elitist wanted right there. That was, <laughs> oh, best part of the, Karen, the show to that point. That was my favorite. Karen Jarrett is for the people. It's funny. I saw a uh, somebody on Reddit saying um, AEW has learned that um, any doing anything to Aubrey gets you nuclear heat. And I was like, I don't think anybody was like, like it, it was like more of like a, Oh shit. Like that was the reaction. It wasn't like the, the crowd turned at that point. The crowd already hated them. That didn't do anything. Yeah. I also, I, I did love uh Sanjay. Like he just looked like a bully the way that he wouldn't let her pass them. I loved that. Yeah. yeah. Little pips week. Very cartoony. Um, yeah, my moment of the week was uh, Statlander winning the TBS title. So that was completely uh, off the radar for me. I didn't look at spoilers before the pay-per-view and just got caught up with other stuff. So I didn't have a chance to see who was coming back, what was rumored, nothing at all, and didn't expect it. Um, so that was a cool execution. Yeah, they haven't been doing that so much with Jade where it's another match after the match. I think she did it like once or twice. So perhaps it wasn't telegraphed enough to satisfy everyone, but a uh, great moment. I like to see her back in action. She's a great wrestler. Hopefully she stays healthy and gets a good run. Um, I put this in my article on wrestling It's funny though, how Jade isn't seen as an original and AEW is so precious about their like homegrown talent. Um, so it is kind yeah. of funny how that there's like a weird dichotomy there, but um yeah, you know, and too, Jade could come back as a good baby face. Like, she does have, like, anytime you see her with her daughter, you're like, oh, that's a nice side of her. Um, it, it cares about the fraternity or the, the fraternity, whatever the hell. Like, oh, yeah. there's things you can do to make her a baby face because she's such a dominant monster in the ring. Like, there's ways to lighten her up, but stuff with her daughter could be a thing to, like, I don't know, make her a face and come back with a new coat of paint in the future but i think a little reprieve from jade would do everyone well she had a hell of a run but you kind of need to 
absence makes the heart grows fonder, I think, with her. Absolutely. You know, when Statlander went down last year, everybody was kind of complaining of, oh, Tony clearly had her bookmark to beat Jade for TBS title. Now what are they going to do? And then it ended up being that he, it actually, he did literally just wait for her. <laughs> He's like, I don't have any other, there's literally nobody else that can do this. Well, it's funny you say yeah. that. Cause like when people say Vince is stubborn, Tony's fucking stubborn too. Like there's a lot of stuff with his yeah. booking. Like, Nope, it's happening. <laughs> Fuck you. Gotta do it. <laughs> Oh, boy. Okay, now let's get into some negativity. Let's go into the cringe of the week. Mine was simple. It's easy. It's quick. Tony Khan wearing a fedora before um, the show on Sunday. He just looked like such a fucking geek. Um, and even just like the whole, I, I like the Owen Hart tournament, all of that stuff. But the <laughs> the delivery of that, of the messaging before it was so uncomfortable and awkward part of that was probably because the vegas crowd was a little bit weird but i my like bones were rattling from the awkwardness the entire time and then tony coming out in that hat made me so happy that uh i didn't have any like non-wrestling fans watching with me doesn't tony seem like the executive who wears like the jersey over his like buttoned up and Button a up tie shirt. shirt and he like wears it to the <laughs> game for a minute and then like okay it takes his shit off and goes back to work like it just seems like that guy who's like yes the wears it to be just one of the guys and then where's his orange cassidy jacket yeah right <laughs> uh you know what though he's getting better in pre-tapes oh yeah and i mean yeah, it's my cringe but like if that's my cringe <laughs> if that's my cringe of the week like that's that's a pr- I've had some I've had some ones where I go off on tangents. That was just more of a like a legitimate like, ooh, that's not a good look, buddy. It was about a fashion choice, not the amount of times he blinked and how fast and loud he talked. So <laughs> it, that's better. Yeah. Uh, my cringe, just the the gimmick match burnout from Double or Nothing, the Blackjack Battle Royal, Unstinction, Special Enfor- Enforcer Match, uh, Special Guest Referee, Ladder Match. There's just a lot. And then Anarchy in the Arena. I'll give that a pass, though, because that was was enjoyable. But just a lot going on, which was all pretty much just no rules and do whatever to to get the results. My uh, One of my friends, uh, Brandon, referred to it as AEW Extreme Rules, and that was exactly what that was. Oh, yeah. Yes. Or AEW Vince's booking because we have to have interference in every match. Mm-hmm. that needs to fucking just cool injury like, squash I, just... good god like stop having people interfere in every goddamn match like i hope the roster splits um stifles that but i don't know with the insistence of everyone being in a stable because then like they're just gonna still do it because you need to justify a way to get you know the it, librarian on tv and whoever the hell qtv on television and it's like god oh, for christ's sake they don't need to interfere well, I, I'm sh- I'm really disappointed in you that 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 wow. you're supportive of the singer wearing blackface. That's just fucked up, Alex. How dare you? Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> hey, why are you saying me? <laughs> no, <I'm just> like- <laughs> uh, no that was what if that was like what, what if that was like our first fight was like me defending that guy's look. Yeah, <laughs> first like fight on the show is like that's the, that's where I take a stance. <laughs> 
literally at work one time I was in a meeting and so it was this is human resources people and someone was like adamantly like I don't understand what could be offensive about blackface it's just a costume like it's it's it just like and we kept saying shut up shut up shut up and messaging like you can't say that stop stop and trying to get him to get off his high just shut your mouth do not say anything more it's very awkward I had a uh, I had a professor that teaching HR classes that legitimately derailed a class for 30 minutes complaining about how she got suspended from uh, my university for because she she her and her friends for Halloween did the phases of Michael Jackson and she happened to do one of the black faces and she was uh, what a great choice American and she like so she derailed an entire class to talk about how stupid uh, that suspension was so it's odd to me the the defense of it <laughs> just the blank stare she probably got when she was like you're on my side right tamara no <laughs> <laughs> not in the slightest okay anyways though that um moment was just a little well a lot cringeworthy especially with max caster doing the run thing about like house of black and yeah, doing like the black face 20 line, minutes earlier which was in good taste and wasn't there's no harm done by house of black and there's nothing offensive no. about that it's it's face paint like the legion of doom war or whatever the hell you know but so yeah. if you're if you're counting if you're if you're talking about that there has to be someone in gorilla going like whoa what the fuck are you doing 100%. so yeah 100%. that was weird and then i hate wild thing that song fucking sucks three times over you don't you don't no. get in love with that Ugh. Now, if they were playing Mandolin Rain or something like that, then I'd be all down. A little Bruce Hornsby going, that'd be dope. But <laughs> I, that, that, that's hardcore for me. I'd like ten, to see that. Ten minutes of Kenny Loggins or some some shit. <laughs> A delightful, uh, delightful uh, alto saxophone by Kenny G. Have you ever heard the uh, the John Mulaney bit about uh, him playing set or like? seven straight times he plays what's new pussycat at a diner and like people start going crazy (laughs) (laughs) my friend had an idea for a fantasy football punishment where in your headphones you just have to listen to the song wipe out on repeat for like (laughs) (laughs) i think i would lose my mind um okay well now that we're uh we got all of our blackface talk off jesus christ (laughs) let's go into what we're anticipating in the week ahead yeah, for me, it's the continuation of Takeshita as a heel. I think with Callus on his side, it's going to be super interesting. And also, you know, Takeshita is clearly somebody who's super, super talented. But so far, his existence in AEW has just been, hey, Takeshita is going to have this really cool match that he loses. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And obviously, I think Takeshita as a heel also likely leads to uh, somebody else showing up, uh, as I'm sure you guys caught on uh, last night's dynamite when they mentioned Kenny being in Canada and hangman said he is out of the country, but not in Canada. Uh, seems like maybe a potential tease for Coda to be making his appearance. So I think to catch as a heel really helps uh, start that entire process. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Can't wait to see where that goes. I'm looking forward to Shibata's couple matches coming up tonight and tomorrow. Alex Coughlin on Ring of Honor tonight, and then Lee Moriarty on Championship Friday uh, for Rampage. Going to be good to see him. I'm actually going to dig into Ring of Honor. Uh, haven't yet, so that'll be fun. Can I just watch that match, or do I have to like wait till it actually hits in the match? It's not live or anything, right? This is all 
It does. Oh, air I know. I've never watched I be- it live. I believe it. It initially airs live, but like it's immediately uh, available, like video on demand. I think so. Okay, it's kind of like if watch you that. watch something on like HBO Max or Max. I'm sorry. Yeah, take out the HBO. Yeah, you can just watch the three hours of ROH before you get to the match you want to see. Oh, how fun! <laughs> like I, I kid, I kid, but come on, like you can you can cut one of the matches, like just two two matches at least, just cut them. It doesn't need to be that long of a fucking show. <laughs> I love ROH, but like it's sometimes a little bit overkill. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't watched any. Um, I haven't watched the three hour ROH show just because the concept seems to have daunting last weekend. I just had enough wrestling, so I do want to catch up on that how, as well. How long is this rampage? That I saw, like it looked like there was like ten matches. Is it a two hour rampage yeah. that's coming up? No, it's just a one hour one. I don't think so. Yeah, I think it's just one. Holy shit! Tomorrow, at yeah, 10. it's a stacked show. So there's Shibata and Lee Moriarty. There's um, uh, Zack Saber Jr. versus Action Andretti. Yep, for that title. Willow Nightingale versus um, Emmy Sakura. Yep, Sakurai, and then Drillistico, El Hio, and Commander for the AAA. And then just added Shawn Michaels versus Okada. Holy shit! Yeah, you're gonna love it, Alex. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm gonna be busy. <laughs> and then I'm looking forward to Dominion. Um, I think we've opined and whined and kvetched about how New Japan hasn't uh, built any new stars and it just seems very stale. This is the first, I would say even more than Wrestle Kingdom, where I was like, wow, every match is going to be good, or like has the potential to be very, very, very good. Oh, it's as high as I've been on a New Japan show that's not Wrestle Kingdom um, in a very, very long time. So I'm excited to see that. Um and it sets up Forbidden Door. I think there's going to be people coming over, Kenny Omega, someone else debuting there or just showing up there to build momentum for the show. So it should be a good weekend of wrestling. There's a lot of good shit on Friday and Sunday morning. So it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. How do you feel about Master Wado? Do you do you enjoy that? that uh, I haven't Super watched Junior? any of them. I haven't watched it yet. Sorry. It just seems weird, but... Uh they needed to make new stars and that's, that's what they're doing. So good on them. Yeah. I have no idea what even wrestles like, so I'll be just pleasantly surprised. Same with in the, in the main event. I can't even say the fellow's name. That's uh main event against Sonata. I don't know. Him uh, Adam, yeah. The, the old young boy. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I can't think of his yep. name. Uh, Yoda, Yoda Suji. Sure. But mm-hmm. it'll be fun to see someone new. Like <laughs> sure. I don't give a yeah. fuck. Someone new. Pretty sure. <laughs> I think that it's really exciting to see Claudio going to New Japan too for Dominion. Like that, to me, that's Ooh, gonna be yeah. it's gonna fit, and it just makes me start to think like, "Ooh, is he gonna be? Is he gonna be a G one boy? Like that could just yeah. be miss your flight and stay amazing. there for a bit." The one thing that does suck about Collision is it's such a valid excuse now for Tony to be like, "Up, oh, can't send any people over there." not able to do it this year like it does suck though like i, I was thinking about that because like they're gonna release uh, what the g1 is this year too and there's no way he's gonna be able to be like yeah you'll get blackpool combat club like i just have a hard time uh, imagining they're all gonna be there yeah this year now that would be sweet if you like wrote him off and they lost him blood and guts and you had him all there like that would be fucking smart and awesome but i doubt it do you think that they could do maybe some G1 matches on AEW television? 
that's what they should do. That's a smart yeah. as fuck idea. Um, it's it's a shame they didn't do that before Forbidden Door or Forbidden Door was after G1 because you could do Owen tournament yeah. and G1 kind of at the same time and have the light heavyweight people in uh, the Owen tournament. Oh, yeah. I have hey, these like these like big seat, dreams. Jeff, of... We should book the fucking promotion. <laughs> <laughs> I have these uh, I have these big dreams of um, AEW just eventually buying New Japan at this point. Just just buy them. But then also, I don't want I don't want Tony to then start booking that. I think he is he's at capacity. He's been at capacity, and so let let Gato still continue to do it. But that way, it can really just be the international arm of AEW. Anytime he has an announcement, that's what I sometimes think. That's one of my like back of my mind things is like he's bought New Japan or he's going to put it on whatever streaming thing they get or like it's on Honor Club or whatever the hell. Yeah. Okay. So we did have two things we wanted to talk about before we wrap up. So some hot button controversial topics. Holy fuck. Okay. First of which, um, tepid response from the uh, audience in Las Vegas. At least that's how it came across on TV. Then as people were tweeting and talking shit about the crowd, people at Double or Nothing were saying like, no, we're actually very wild, very into it. The mics suck ass. Um, One of the new guys that got hired, I guess, was on Pat McAfee's show. Um, he said some weird kind of apology on Twitter and people were like, oh, you're fine. Just fucking mic the crowd. So uh, there became kind of a discussion. I wanted to hear what your guys' thoughts were. Should they not have double or nothing in Las Vegas next year? So I I don't believe that the crowd, like I don't believe it could have been that bad, that it was like that unmiked. Um, maybe I'm off on that, but it seemed, it seemed definitely quiet. But the problem is, is I felt like people looked bored. Like there was a lot of people that I felt like looking in the crowd, like uh, yes. they didn't look engaged. I also yeah. don't necessarily think that that's the Vegas crowd's fault. Uh, it was not the like the show, just the booking wasn't great for it. The matches weren't great. I felt personally like that this was the first time really since the first double or nothing where it kind of felt like a, a minor league to WWE just because you was like, I felt like there wasn't a whole lot of star power. I felt like all the star power was in the anarchy in the arena match, really. Um, I don't th- say this in a way of like trying to punish Vegas, but I, I do think that they need to move double or nothing away from there. Um, you mentioned in the article when you have four, when you only have four pay per views and you're sticking one of them always in, um, always in Ooh, Vegas, Vegas, another one always in Chicago. Chicago. Um, Chicago, at least like they always show up, they're always loud. They're you know like they, there's still there's still value there, but I do think that Vegas has run its course. And you know personally, I wouldn't travel to Vegas for Memorial Day weekend. I don't know a lot of people that would. No. Um, so I, I think that if you made it somewhere else, that was like a little bit more like seem more like a place you would go for that. It makes sense or just do it in Detroit. You know, I was going to say we have casinos. We have yeah. three of them. Gambling is practically everywhere now. Just go yeah, to Atlantic Soaring City, Eagle, go baby. To Nash Soaring Vegas. Eagle. <laughs> Soaring Eagle. Hell yeah. That's where it should be. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> TNA used to run TV there. there. Did they really? Jarrett's got the in. Yeah, back back when I was uh, back when I was up at uh, Central, they would. Uh, it was like the Hogan era, and they would do shows, cool. but I couldn't bring myself to go. That's great, Joker. Sorry, sorry, color me bad. We have a bigger name than a 
puts on a larger down payment. <laughs> you won't be able. To I tell you the one show that I have. I told you guys the only show that I've ever seen at Soaring Eagle. Mm-hmm. Couldn't remember it if you did. Oh, about two us. months before everything happened, Mister oh, Bill Cosby. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure I deleted. Like I had put a Facebook status up of like. Finally got to That's see the legend Bill Cosby live. Oh, and then, some like, tricks. Two months later, everything happened, and I went back and deleted it. I was like, I can't have this showing up in Time Hop <laughs> later on. You monster! Uh, it wasn't a it, it was a known thing forever. I knew that fucking in the like early two thousands, and I'm not connected I, at all. <laughs> I never knew his. I had always heard. I always knew Louis. I never knew his. Yeah. So I I claim I I. And I did see Louie in the last two years, so. Yeah, plead ignorance, oh, for sure. And then, it's okay, you have tickets for uh, Chris DeLelolo, that guy, and then you have <laughs> tickets for... <laughs> who else do you have on here? All stemming off that, uh, those uh, Epstein... <laughs> Uh, exactly yeah how was yeah how was the how was the ride did you have a good conversation with uh bill gates and chris tucker what'd you guys talk about sean sean what do you sean what do you think about uh vegas and double or nothing uh i prefer nash vegas or anything uh uh, i'm a little burnt out on the las vegas continuation like you guys said if you have half of your pay-per-views being in set locations doesn't behoove your full audience so spread it around gambling's legal everywhere the gimmick will work Okay, now I was going to make a joke about Takeshita, and I was going to say, well, maybe if he got paired up with Jericho, then he'd really, you know, elevate off the, you know, up into the middle. So uh, this Adam Cole uh, feud has not been successful in my eyes artistically. Like, I don't think Adam Cole's got any momentum now than when he first came back. Um, And he needed a lot of this because he's kind of slated, supposedly, to go up against MJF. Uh, Do you think... Chris Jericho just isn't capable of giving guys the rub at this point in his career. Kind of. I don't even really think it's that. Like, I think he did great. With, I think he gave Orange Cassidy actually a, a pretty big rub. I think he, he did. You know, he, he solidified him as like even the old timers respect what he does. I honestly think Britt Baker is a bigger issue when it comes to Adam Cole. I uh, cringe that they put ooh. them together. I cringe every uh, when Roddy came back. My first thought was like, please do not make him and Marina together for everything. Same thing with even Sammy and Tay. And it, it's just I don't like the like bringing in real the real relationship into like the whole TV stuff. It just never plays well to me it's always corny and it just seems then. So it seems like you're trying too hard to make everybody think that this is real still. Whereas like, I'd rather you just put on a compelling TV show. Oh, good point. Uh, I'm, I'm over this with Jericho. Uh, I think the best match in the whole kind of feud has it been with the, the match with Roddy strong. That was better than anything he's done with Adam Cole. So I'd like to kind of see Jericho stop being the, the launching point for the next uh, person to, to go and take on the bigger things. I think that they also need to just get some people that are good. Like, like they, they don't have anybody that's good for heating someone up anymore. It feels like from a face or I guess from a heel standpoint, like uh, Ricky Starks going up against Jericho. I feel like that shouldn't have been like a heating up Starks thing. That should have been, 
a big feud for Starks. Same thing even for Adam Cole. It feels weird that Adam Cole is just coming back and Jericho's the guy. It just feels off. Like it feels a little bit too much. Like they're trying to do like a pass the baton thing. They need to have some, you know, uh, Tony Nice. I thought he he was I, he obviously needs to get wins, but I think somebody more along his lines, he's, like somebody who yes, can just take so take some losses and and that's fine. And and then he you know he could win a feud every now and then so that he gets it back. But I just don't like I don't like Jericho as the guy who you start the climb with. It just it just doesn't feel like it works. Yeah, and I think what you said about Britt Baker is very true. I mean, they have such yeah. large personalities, and they have more personality, I think, than Adam Cole. Um, now, as a heel, he's great, but trying to establish himself as a babyface, it's just entirely new. It's hard to get some of that oxygen back in the room when you have Britt Baker and Jericho, who are so established in their shtick. Um, and even the yeah. little things, like in the in the mixed tag match, like when he was getting the walls of Jericho, the crowd popped for that, and they shouldn't have. And then Adam Cole's doing the "Don't put it on me, don't put it on me" little squirm with his arms and stuff, and it's like, dude, you're yeah. fucking babyface. And then like having Britt Baker save you, like, nah, it just did not work. And um, yeah, hopefully, I don't know, someone else is looking over the booking at his next feud because MJF's gonna eat him a fuck alive and mjf in his post uh post-match conference with tony did have like one funny thing and granted this is heel stuff he's always in character but there's a little bit of element of truth into what he says and he's like no one wants to get programmed with me because i know i'm gonna like eat him up essentially and i i think that's very true i'm sure there's probably a yeah. lot of people that were like i'm not gonna be the first one on his title run and why it was danielson that did it yeah, I think that that makes total sense because there's a fear of there's a fear of uh, of him just railroading you because he is so fucking good. I MJF, the fact that like he talks about having like anxiety and, and all those things or like being kind of like a nerd in high school. It's hard for me to even picture because he has such such a great presence in front of a microphone. I get that he just gets his character and all of that stuff. But I talk for a living. I I do the same talk track in my day to day. And I still stumble over the shit that I'm talking about or saying or sound like an idiot at times. And he always has a clear, concise point and delivers it with great confidence, even when there's a whole arena of crowd chanting or screaming at him. He never stumbles. He never stammers. It just everything is perfect. He's one of the best speakers ever. And it's fun that he's getting... Uh, recognition for the great ring work that he's doing because it was all microphone stuff, but his two pay-per-view matches have been outstanding. Like that fatal four way. I hate fatal four ways or four person matches. And this one was fucking great too. And not a hot feud. And you knew MJF was going to win this match. And that match still was aesthetically very pleasing. Just one thing on that. Um, I felt like that match was a great like PWG match or you know i mean not sure. not to say it was like mm-hmm. pwg style fully but if that match was if i went to a local show like or like an roh show and that was a match that was great but as the match for your title your main title something that you were building basically since Revo- the the show after revolution i just felt nothing about it was really compelling other than like yes it was a good match but i do uh, I do need a little bit of sizzle with my steak. All right. Anything else you want to add, Sean, before we wrap up? No, that you guys said it perfectly. 
goddamn right we said it perfectly. And if you want to hear us say more perfect shit, you can subscribe to us via Spotify or iTunes. You can give us a five-star review, please. Put some comments in there that are supportive and positive to help our low, low, low self-esteem. Also, if you could share the podcast with a friend, that would be great as well. And then visit our website. Again, bookmark it. Go there every day. Before you go to Pornhub, go to WrestlingElitist.com. It's just as satisfying. By the way, some of our keywords are very sexual in nature. Like if you look at our website analytics, this is really behind the curtain. But this past week was pretty disgusting in terms of some of the things that were uh, (laughs) trending and getting people to our website, which is like, okay, how did you look for that? And you read about, you know, SummerSlam 1989. I don't know how that happens, but I don't know anything about the Internet. We're learning. This is a this is a new (laughs) enterprise for us. We're all learning new shit. We don't have a marketing team, so we do need your support and help to help us uh, get to the next level. But thank you, as always, for listening to the podcast. We genuinely appreciate it. And uh, Rick Rude, what do you have to say? Hit the music.